Now I don't want to oversell it, but this will change your life. My people, welcome, Stulenium Radio, Jonathan Stewart, it's been a long time, I did a little software upgrade and it broke my microphone, it was more like a downgrade I guess, but today I want to follow up my last episode by actually trying to apply the constant growth dividend valuation model, I've got my BA2 Plus warmed up and ready to go. If you have your calculator handy, you can work through the examples as we go along. But if you don't, that's not a problem. I'll tell you what you need to know, and you can try it out on your own later. So here we go. Let's apply the constant growth model. Last episode, I introduced the constant growth dividend valuation model. Now, I pointed out the fact that the model makes some assumptions and has some limitations, but I thought it might be interesting to see how the model does on some real live stocks. Does it estimate a value that is reasonably close to the actual stock price, or is it way out in left field? So let's try it out on a few companies. I'm using the Value Line Investment Survey for all my information today, but you can probably find most of what you need for this analysis on any good financial website. I'm going to start with Pfizer. I don't own Pfizer or any of the companies that I will be discussing today, and I don't have any plans to purchase their shares in the foreseeable future. I also recommend that you do not make any buy or sell decisions based upon our results today. This is intended to be an educational exercise to satisfy my curiosity and help us all become a little smarter about this model. Back to Pfizer. Pfizer is a large-cap leader in the pharmaceutical industry. They produce products such as Zoloft, Zithromax, and Lipitor, among others. Now, to use the constant growth model, we need three numbers. Next year's dividend, our required rate of return, and a forecast of the constant growth rate of their dividends. Let's start with an estimate of the dividend that Pfizer will pay next year. Well, right now, ValueLine is forecasting a dividend of $1.24 per share for next year. So I'm going to use that, $1.24. That is almost 7% higher than the $1.16 that they paid this year. We might keep that in mind when we are deciding on a constant dividend growth rate for Pfizer. ValueLine forecasts their dividend rate to be 9% annually for the next 3 to 5 years. That's a pretty nice rate, but we need to forecast the growth rate forever. Now, there are a lot of ways to forecast growth rates. We could look at their historical dividend growth rate. Pfizer's dividend growth rate has averaged 16.5% for the last 10 years, according to ValueLine. However, Pfizer has had some trouble lately. A lot of their patents are going to expire between now and 2012, so their ability to grow their dividend at 16.5% may be threatened. Obviously, ValueLine expects that to be the case with their forecast of 9%. What if we were to take the ValueLine estimate 
and then back off a little bit, since we are talking about forever. What if we go with a long-run dividend growth rate of 5%? My thought process on this is that the U.S. economy has grown at about 2 to 3% annually in the long run. If we assume that a company is going to grow at 9% forever, at some point, that company would eclipse the size of the U.S. economy. So I pulled it back quite a bit in an effort to be more realistic. We'll see if that works out for me in a minute here. The last value we need is a required return. Now, there are models that will estimate required returns, like the security market line. But that's probably another show altogether. Today, I'm just going to say that I require a 10% return on my money in order to achieve my financial goals. So, I've got the three numbers. My forecasted dividend is $1.24, my growth rate is 5%, and my required return is 10%. Now, the model says the price of the stock should be equal to next year's dividend divided by the difference between my required return and the constant growth rate. A 10% required return minus a 5% growth rate gives me 5%. Dividing my dividend of $1.24 by the difference of 5% gives me $24.80. So according to this model, Pfizer's shares have an intrinsic value of $24.80. Let's compare that to the actual market price. As I was preparing this example, Pfizer was trading at $23.27. So what does that mean to us? Well, if we believe in the model, and if we believe in the estimates we use to calculate the intrinsic value, and there are a few big ifs in that statement, if we believe that is all true, then we would say that Pfizer's stock is undervalued. It's on sale. It is selling for about $1.50 less than the model says it's worth. Now, at this point, you may be asking yourself why I'm still talking to you. Why don't I just shut down the Stulinium Studios and go buy some Pfizer? Well, it's because I didn't take particular care in estimating the constant growth rate, and therefore my confidence in our result is somewhat tempered. What would happen if Pfizer's growth rate was actually 6%? Or what about 4%? Why don't you take a second and think about that? So do you have an answer? What if the growth rate was actually 6%? Well, then the constant growth model would estimate the stock price as $1.24 divided by 10% minus 6%. That gives me an intrinsic value of $31. Hey, that's well above the market price. But what if the growth rate ends up being only 4%? Now the model says the price is $1.24 divided by 10 minus 4%. And that gives me an intrinsic value of $20.67. That's several dollars below the current market price. That would indicate that the stock is overvalued. It's too expensive relative to the growth we predicted. So you can see that the growth rate you use in these calculations is critical. When we used 6%, the stock was undervalued. When we used 4%, it was overvalued. 
And that emphasizes the importance and power of the constant growth rate assumption. A small error in our growth rate calculations can mean the difference between buying and selling in this example. Let's try another example. Emerson Electric designs and sells electrical and electronic products. I have really fond memories of one of their products which I owned during my junior high school years. It was a boombox. Actually, it was a really sweet boombox. Cassette player, AM, FM radio, two awesome speakers, a couple of little tweeters, and a handle so you could take the whole show on the road. Just as long as you had the required 17D batteries to power it. Buying that many D batteries could be expensive. But it was so worth it. Well, I selected Emerson for my example because I remembered that they have had some incredible string of increasing dividends. So I looked up their annual report and sure enough, it told me that they have been increasing their dividends for 50 years in a row. That's a long time. That reaches back well before the turn of the stulenium. Anyway, let's use the constant growth model on Emerson. ValueLine predicts that Emerson will pay a dividend of $1.30 per share next year. I'm going to require a 10% return from them as well. Now what about the dividend growth rate? ValueLine forecasts a 7% dividend growth rate for the next 3 to 5 years. Their growth rate has been 6.5% for the last 10 years. Well, what if we use the same 5% that we originally used for Pfizer? The dividend of $1.30 divided by the difference between our required return and the constant growth rate, that would be 10% minus 5%, gives us a difference of 5%. Okay, $1.30 divided by 0.05. That gives me an intrinsic value of $26 per share. Hmm. That's interesting, because as I do this analysis, Emerson is trading at nearly $55 per share. How could we be so far off? Well, assuming that our dividend estimate and required return values are reasonable, then the constant growth rate would be the cause of the difference. Clearly, the average market participant thinks that Emerson's dividend growth rate is going to be higher than 5%. In fact, if I take the constant growth model and plug $55 in for the stock price, $1.30 for the dividend, and 10% for the required return, I can solve for the growth rate and see what the market expects from Emerson. I come up with a growth rate of 7.63%. Interesting. So if our dividend estimate is accurate and our required return is reasonable, this calculation indicates that the average market participant believes that Emerson's dividends will grow at a constant rate of 7.63% forever. Now, I try to pay attention to what the average market participant believes. Anyone you meet might have an opinion about Emerson, but the market price reflects what market participants believe. They didn't just offer an opinion, they put their money where their mouth is. They voted with their dollars and bought or sold the stock. Now, just because they vote with their dollars, does that mean that they are always right? I don't think so. 
My experience is that sometimes investors become overly optimistic and pay too much for stocks. Other times they become overly pessimistic, selling the stock until the price is well below what it's worth. Now the problem is, it isn't always easy to tell the difference. If that growth rate of 7.63% per year forever seems a little optimistic to you, then maybe people are paying too much for these shares right now. No matter what you believe about Emerson's dividend growth rate, this example illustrates one of my favorite ways to use models of this type. I love to plug in the market price and solve for the growth rate that is implied by that price. In this example, 7.63% was close enough to Emerson's historical rate and forecasted rates that it didn't allow me to draw any strong conclusions about their stock price. But if the implied growth rate was 1%, I would suspect that market participants were being too pessimistic. On the other hand, if the implied rate was 25%, I would suspect they were guilty of some classic irrational exuberance. Well, it's time to call it. Thanks for tuning in to Stulinium Radio. I hope that you'll subscribe to my podcast on the iTunes Music Store. And tell your friends about Stulinium Radio. Don't oversell it, but you know what to tell them. If you have any questions, requests, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to me, stulinium at gmail.com. And check out my website, stulinium.com. Until next time, Jonathan Stewart, Stillenium Radio.